With the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Crushell here, the con man behind the glass, keeping us on track. We are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, if you have questions, comments, smart remarks, or a topic you'd like us to investigate, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. And I'll say this right now. We've got a couple great emails over this last week. And two of them, I can guarantee right now, we will be dedicating entire episodes to these topics and ideas you guys have written to us about. So I want to thank uh, everybody who's written in. One of those topics is about the increasing financial commitment needed in developmental sports. Is it going too far? Well, it's escalating quickly, but I'm not sure if people really understand the numbers and where we've come from in a very, very short time. We've got a lot of data on this and the numbers are alarming. I want to thank Derek for that email. We're going to dedicate an entire episode to this topic, so keep them coming. We're also going to dedicate uh, an episode coming up here to an email that was brought to us asking about the mental game of sport. The email was more directed towards the performance side of the mental game. So many different topics there. It's a big one, and we're going to open up that conversation again because there's so many different things that we can discuss. And as you know, if you listen to the show, I truly believe that the next push in human performance is going to come from technology, the technology that's providing us equipment and the ability to monitor how our athletes are doing, but also the technology that's going to allow us to work and train the mind. The mind is the true next bastion for pushing human performance to the next level. And there's a lot of issues to face there. And of course, October 10th was a very, very important day on the calendar. It was World Mental Health Day. And uh, events like this are incredibly important for a number of reasons. Awareness, number one. And maybe most importantly, just letting people know that you're not alone out there facing your issues. People from all walks of life are dealing with similar issues. And it's sometimes good to know that you're not alone out there. And this year's theme was suicide prevention, a very, very important topic. And if you go online and just search out World Mental Health Day, there are a lot of resources they provided on the suicide uh, issue. And it's a big one right now. We're seeing suicides on the climb at every single age group, it seems. And I think a lot of the prevention strategies are going to come from just talking about this, talking about it yourself, hearing people talking about it, but talking to your kids, talking to your athletes, talking to your co-workers. These are issues that I think if we talk about and get out there, it makes it a little easier for everybody to maybe deal with their issues. And again, just knowing you're not alone. 
When I heard that this year's theme for the World Mental Health Day was suicide prevention, two articles came to mind immediately. These are powerful articles that I read uh, some time ago, uh, but they resonate with me. And I think about them quite often, you know, in, in hindsight and, you know, thinking about them here again, I do think about these articles from time to time. And just so you know, you're not alone out there. These are articles from the Players' Tribune written by two former NHL players. The first one is titled, Everything is Not Okay by Nick Boynton, former NHLer. Talks about his struggles with mental health and his thoughts about death, his depression that he went through, and maybe most importantly, how he wound up dealing with it. Really, really powerful article that I think is worthy of a read and and even sharing. The second one is titled, Dark, 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 Dark by Corey Hirsch. Again, former NHLer. The article starts off with Corey describing how he's standing on the edge of a cliff in Kamloops, British Columbia, and he's checking out. Corey goes on to describe his situation, his thoughts, the thought process in retrospect, all the things he was dealing with, but maybe again, most importantly, how he worked through it. And there's a strong message here in both of these articles. We have to thank both Nick and Corey for sharing this and the Players Tribune for printing these articles because I believe they're powerful and they can help a lot of people. Again, just knowing that other people from other walks of life are dealing with the same things. People who've had great, great success have their demons as well. Um, But hearing how both of these great people work through their situation and how they're still dealing with it. If you follow either of them on Twitter, they are talking about this all the time. They're out speaking and, and being proactive helping to raise awareness. So again, really, really powerful articles that came to mind as soon as I heard that the theme for World Mental Health Day was suicide prevention. And I do recommend that uh, you go and read both of those articles and share them with your friends and family. Because sometimes just talking about these issues can raise the awareness, no doubt, but also can help in the world of prevention as well. So I want to thank everybody who is out there raising the awareness. Because sometimes we don't know who is being affected or who's having issues. It's very, very important work. All right, on to the sports calendar here. Well, the MLB postseason is unraveling before our eyes. The Rays just miss out against Houston. And the next round of the playoffs is set. New York versus Houston. And the Nationals versus St. Louis. Uh, Not quite the lineup I was looking at when these postseason games started. But it's been exciting nonetheless. So many storylines here, and we'll really, really cover this as the World Series wraps up. But Verlander on short rest didn't really work out. Garrett Cole is perhaps the most successful pitcher in the postseason so far. Incredible to watch. Altuve, the Dodgers, don't second guess. So many storylines there that we'll follow up. But the big one for me is the Tampa Rays. Just missing against Houston, battling back so close with a payroll of $64 million. The way it sits right now, the Yankees are the top team in terms of payroll left in the playoffs at $218 million. Houston just beat the Rays with a payroll of $169 million, number seven overall. The Nationals are number eight, just behind Houston at $168 million. And St. Louis Cardinals are number six in payroll at $174. So maybe, just maybe, money does buy postseason success. I was really, really optimistic as we saw the Rays, teams like the A's, the Brewers, and the Twins, lower half payroll teams, having some success in the postseason, which really, really does get me excited because development 
I think is going to be the way of the future. But the way the postseason is panning out here, big money teams, they're still in the dance. We're going to watch that with great interest. And of course, in the NHL, I have to mention this because uh, last week, we sort of did our NHL preview and our number one team to watch this year. I'm knocking on wood for all you Oiler fans out there because uh, we're not watching the Oilers to see what kind of success they're going to have. We didn't predict Oilers success. We're just watching to see what this organization is going to do th- after all the turmoil they've gone through uh, at the end of last season and through this offseason. Can they retool into a championship team with who may very well be the top player in the game, Connor McDavid? And I think that would be a pretty strong argument. Few people would argue against that. But can the organization build around Connor McDavid to chase down a championship? Well, they're 4-0 to start off the season. It's early, of course, but really, really promising turnaround. And I think if you just look at the attitude of the team, man, it's going to be fun to watch. And that's why they were our number, number one team to watch. The Winnipeg Jets were on our list, as were the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So a lot of great storylines coming out of the NHL. We're watching with great interest. And in the NFL, our number one team to watch in the NFL were the Cleveland Browns. Of course, after so many years of disappointment, but brutal, brutal, hard disappointment. Like, they're terrible. Can they turn it around? They've been trying a lot of different things. Well, they're 2-3 and on the season. They have Seattle coming up next. Ouch. So they're up to a big challenge this weekend. But... The Cleveland Browns are our number one team to watch, and the Patriots are right there as well. The Patriots have some kind of secret sauce. We have had a glimpse behind their curtain already, and we've sort of deciphered you know, how Belichick leads that team. And I think that is the secret, their leadership. They've got strong, consistent leadership on the ownership side, on the managerial side, on the coaching side, and a core of players that have been there for a long, long time. And in that clubhouse, trust me, and on that field, the coaches do have a massive influence. They sort of set the tone. But I would dare say, if we dug into the New England Patriots and all of the successful teams out there, the players have maybe the largest role in terms of leadership and what goes on on the field and how players act. And that's really, really important to have that key core group of veterans steering that ship and making sure that, well, players operate the right way when they're wearing that jersey. So many great things to watch in sports right now, but there's also a few things we will not be watching due to Typhoon Hagibis, which is bearing down on the main island of Japan right now. Our thoughts and prayers go to everybody there. We're hoping for everybody to be safe as the storm passes. But in the name of safety for the teams, the fans, and the volunteers, the World Rugby Union has decided in advance of the storm reaching the island of Japan to cancel two major matches in this year's World Cup of Rugby. So we are going to miss the England versus France match this weekend, which was two incredible rivalries and two incredible rugby nations facing off. But for me, more importantly, I was really looking forward to watching the All Blacks play Italy. I don't know if Italy really had a chance in this match, but just being able to play a team of the All Blacks caliber is an incredible opportunity, and there's always the chance of an upset, which we'll never find out about. So, in lieu of not being able to watch the All Blacks, I thought we'd go back to an incredible conversation we had with Crush favorite James Kerr, the author of the Crush Must Read book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life, because there's a lot to learn here. And I thought, if we can't watch and learn from the All Blacks play, let's talk about them from somebody who was behind the curtains as they were preparing for the former World Cup. So coming up after this break, we're going to delve into the incredible world and culture 
of the New Zealand All Blacks to find out how one of the most successful sporting organizations in the history of sport operates and how they've gotten to where they are today. That's coming up on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for hanging on over that quick break. Well, the weather is impacting sport in Japan. The World Cup of Rugby in advance of Typhoon Hagibis, which is set to be the most powerful typhoon of the 2019 season, has chosen in advance to cancel two major matches. Now, in the name of safety, and we're praying for everybody's safety as the typhoon bears down on the main island of Japan here, uh, in the name of safety for the teams, the fans, and the volunteers, the World Rugby Union uh, has taken the correct steps here to, in advance, keep everybody out of harm's way. So we're going to lose two very, very important matches. One, England and France will not play uh, today, this Saturday. Um, and the games will not be made up. Each team will receive two points in lieu of the cancellation. Now, England and France, an epic rivalry, two very, very strong rugby nations. Uh, this could change the outcome of the tournament because now they're going to go on without a game played to their next match. But for me, more importantly, I was really looking forward to watching the New Zealand All Blacks play Italy. And I'm not sure if Italy really had a major chance here. It would be a massive upset. It's always possible. We've seen it in sport many, many times. And Italy wanted that chance to go for it. But most importantly, they wanted a chance to play what is the most successful probably the most competitive organization in all of sport, certainly in rugby, in the New Zealand All Blacks. Just to play a team of that caliber can raise your team to the next level, what you learn from these competitions. And that's why competition becomes so important. So not good news all around, but everybody will be safe. We talk about, you know, in the last segment, the magic sauce that the Patriots have been brewing to create this sustained success in one of the most competitive leagues in the NFL well, the All Blacks have done the same on the world stage of rugby. And the All Blacks, for all intents and purposes, is the most successful sporting organization in all of sport. And what they do is very, very special. And I don't think there's an organization, certainly in sport, business as well, that hasn't at some point looked to the All Blacks, at least the serious ones, to figure out how that All Black culture operates. Because there's things to learn there. And so seeing as we can't watch the All Blacks play this weekend, I was really looking forward to it. I thought we'd go back to a great conversation we had with author James Kerr, who wrote the great book Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. Uh, James had a chance to spend a ton of time with the All Blacks leading up to the last World Cup and what he learned along the way about how that culture is created from within, about how they operate is really, really incredible. And so, to make up for the absence of watching the All Blacks, let's talk about the All Blacks. Here's our great conversation with James Kerr about his book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. Mr. James Kerr, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. 
Uh, it's a real pleasure, Jeff. It's great to be here. Well, um, let's start with this. Uh, I'd like to sort of kick off with your background and your experiences in the business world. And I want to talk a bit about your company, Fable. You're a co-founder of a company called Fable. I really, really like the whole concept of Fable and what you guys are all about. But James, what led you down that path uh, to get to the point where you became this um, business advisor and with this very cool twist on on development and organizational performance? Yeah, great, great. Thanks, thanks for the question. Um, you know, I'm a writer at heart, a word, a word man, a storyteller, and I, I, I began in advertising actually uh, as a copywriter and then a creative director. And, and it, more and more, I was working with the leadership of teams, uh, leadership teams of, of of large organizations, and looking at you know how do you create effective cultures, uh, you know, high performance cultures within organizations. Certainly within the leadership teams, the, the C-suite, if you like, uh, but also, you know, within the teams of teams within organisations, and 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 how do you create that culture? And uh, with 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 my partner Roger Hart, we put together an organisation called Fable, and and we look at large-scale change programs um, through the prism of storytelling. Um, you know, stories, you know, are the way we learn. You know, anyone who's got children has seen them watch the same story over and over and over and over again. And, and we took that, took that uh, approach, um, you know, the idea that stories, you know, a good story changes things, you know, a great story changes everything. Uh, and, and we applied it to, to defining and designing and delivering culture change within organizations in terms of defining it around, you know, who's the hero of your story? What's their mission? What's the holy grail, if you like? What are the values? Who are your allies? All of those kind of ways of looking at, uh, looking at a, a process and then designing it. You know, what is the story? What is the core story that, that ethos at the heart of this organization? And then how do we deliver it by crackingly good stories? Uh, whether that's viral, whether posters, whether that's, um, presentation. And so we find that that, that story, um, framework, if you like, uh, uh, really engages people because it's, it's at the core of how human beings connect and learn and communicate uh, and so on. So it's, it's, it's been very successful uh, for us and very powerful, we think, for our clients and we hope for our clients and, and the evidence would seem to back it up. No, I really like it, James. You know, when you look back at the history of mankind, I think communication started with storytelling. If we go back to even some of the paintings we see on the cave walls, to the hieroglyphics, to some of the early ancient writings that we see. And on the Fable website, you have fable, and then you have narrative, and then you have folklore. And I really like this concept. It just seems, James, it just seems really right in today's fast-paced, high-tech world. Um, this just seems so deeply fundamental and right. Um, I'm really intrigued by it and, and, and its effectiveness as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, if if you think about it, you know, we're all still sort of sitting around the campfire swapping stories. You know, we read newspapers for the stories, we gossip for the stories, we go to the movie for the stories. Even sport uh, really is predicated on that idea of what an extraordinary story. You know, I think of the the Patriots and their final quarter and that extraordinary turnaround they pulled a few years ago. Um, you know, the, the the thing they were talking to each other about in the huddle was, you know, this will make a great story, a damn fine story, being able to turn it around. And so they're incredibly motivating, and it's a way that we're able to frame ourselves in terms of our relationships with, with others. You know, what's the story of our life? You asked me what the, what the story is that uh, took me to Fable, if you like. 
So it, it's kind of the web and the weft of how human beings connect and communicate. And that idea of folklore is there are many different ways to, to tell a story. There's there's the spoken word, there's the written word, there's the visual, there's there's ritual. Um, you know, the All Blacks I've obviously written around have uh, about have the have the haka, which is kind of a form of compressed story, an embodiment of, of what they stand for. Uh, there are so many different ways of, of of telling stories and of capturing that each of them could become an embodiment uh, of your, of your core, core culture uh, of of the way we do things around here, of our standards and expectations, of of our commitment to one another, and so on. So, so um, you know, it's a you know, it's a lot of fun, uh, and and it also gets a lot of I so sort of hate the word, but a lot of traction uh, because stories stick. Yep, I really like it. We're talking with James Kerr, the uh, co-founding or founding partner at Fable. The website is fablepartners.com. And of course, the author of the crush favorite book, uh, Legacy, what the all blacks can teach us about the business of life. Um, so let's go there, James, because uh, you are one heck of a storyteller. Uh, Legacy is one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, such great information in there. But it is, as you mentioned, one hell of a story. And um, I really maybe want to start here. I know you've had some background in the military with the girl and the Tier 1 Special Forces and also in sports team. But but what led you to the All Blacks and to this great, great project that turned out to be Legacy? Well, uh, well first, thank you. For, thank you for, for your words. Um, what led me to it? You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Kiwi. I'm a New Zealander. Though I've lived in London for in the United Kingdom. I'm currently living in Bali, finishing another book. But, but I live in the United Kingdom, really. And... So I've been away from home for a long time, but 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 every New Zealander grows up with the All Blacks. It's very central to their sense of identity and self, and and there's great pride in this extraordinary team that really proves to this you know small island nation on the other side of the world, effectively of four million or so people, that that Kiwis can can compete and win and keep on winning with the best in the world, you know, all around the world, and and that's tremendously it's a tremendously powerful. Um, uh, kind of cultural story, I guess, um, and and manifestation. And so, you know, so I, I was a fan, and uh, I'd I'd worked with and written about sports teams in the past. I'd, I've I've done a book, for instance, on the Australian Rugby League team, another incredibly successful team, the Kangaroos. And I wanted to apply that to the to uh, to my team, uh, if you like. Um, which helps, of course, as the All Blacks are extraordinarily successful. They're arguably, almost inarguably, the most dominant team in their sport in human history. They've gone, they've competed for 125 years on the world stage, and they've won just around about 80% of all encounters. You know, it's an extraordinary, extraordinary statistic. They've only lost at home, I think it's now 40 times. Um, they won three World Cups. They currently hold all the silverware it's possible to own in their sport. And so... What I was interested in doing is going, was, was asking the kind of questions, you know, how do they do it? Um, and, and what can we learn about, you know, leading a, a team, leading a business, and in many ways, leading a life? Um, there are some fantastic kind of life lessons. You know, it's, it's what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life and about our decisions and, our, and literally leading a life. It's a leadership book, but about leading a life. So... So it was a mixture of being a New Zealander, loving the All Blacks, being a kind of super fan, managing to gain some access, and putting together those two worlds, the worlds that I knew from uh, from, from the worlds of business and other sporting teams, with the All Blacks as a fantastic case study of 
of not just success, but of sustainable success. And I was interested in, in you know, many teams are on that kind of alpha curve. They win one season, they go down the next. But, but what sets the teams apart that are able to do it, you know, game after game, week after week, season after season, decade after decade? And, and that's really what I wanted to, to look at and, and, and write about. What an absolute dream for a young Kiwi. Five weeks with the All Blacks on their road to the World Cup, and it turned out to be just a fabulous experience for you and a great book for us. Um, James, one of the things I think uh, if people read the book, people who have read the book, one of the things that are just a constant throughout through the ups and downs of the All Blacks history is this whole idea of character. And one of the great stories in there, uh, sort of a, a spoiler alert for everybody, I've, I've got to ask you a few questions about the book, but I really love the concept of the socks story, putting on the socks. What an incredible lesson uh, that was. It, it really struck me uh, as, as a very important part of that culture. Well, and, and that, 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 that story really came from, from um, John Wooden, in fact, the UCLA, UCLA Bruins coach uh, in the 60s. The, you know, one of the most extraordinary and influential coaches, I would say, you know, in world sport. And he would, uh, he would in, in, his, in his first session, um, he would get the players together and they would spend an hour or so or longer just learning how to put on socks. And that, uh, that devotion to the basics, the humility that it takes to come down and think that you know no job is is too small um, is an incredibly powerful powerful story. We, you know within the All Blacks environment, um, the story I think that's become famous is the sweeping the shed story. Exactly. You know after after every game, the All Blacks would tidy up after themselves. They would sweep the sheds, and you know you have to remember there were you know they just played in front of huge crowds. There were helicopters overhead trying to kind of capture footage of them leaving the. The stadium kids all over the world dreaming of all-black glory, and but the all-blacks themselves would take the time to grab long-handled brooms and sweep all of that mud and blood and strapping into corners and, and leave the place, you know, pristine. And and really, that's about having the humility to learn. I think it's about never getting ahead of yourself. There's a phrase within the team, you know, perform like you're number one, but prepare like you're number two. Um, never get ahead of yourself. Um, there's another story that the great Dan Carter told. Told um, I, I had the privilege of sharing a stage with him. Dan Carter is the, you know, in in American sport would be the great quarterback. You know, he's the the, the fly half, the first five eight. Um, and he 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 said he he won World Player of the Year a couple of times in a row, I believe. And one of the figures, the the older figures from the from New Zealand rugby, would come down to the training ground and come up to him and just kick at his feet. And Dan was only 22, 23 at the time, so he didn't want to kind of answer the boss back. So he, he put up with it for a while, and you know the boss came and kicked his feet for a bit, and, and he just ignored it. And on, on about the third time, he said, oh, come on, mate, what, what are you doing? You know, why are you kicking my feet? And, and his boss said, I just want to make sure your feet are still on the ground. <laughs> and it's that idea, that kind of top-to-bottom humility of staying grounded, of not getting ahead of yourself just because you've, you've, you've made it doesn't mean you'll make it the next day just because you're getting, you know, in sport, many people are getting a lot of money, um, a lot of privileges, you know, a lot of uh, uh, fame, you know, there's nightclubs, there's, there's, there's everything that goes with all of that. Um, and of course, that's, you know, entitlement is the enemy of high performance, really. So keeping your feet on the ground, staying humble, staying hungry, becomes one of those kind of key factors, one of the killer apps, if you like, in creating that culture of sustained success. So, you know, put on your socks, you know, sweep the sheds, 
do the basics. Uh, Joe Montana, I know, uh, used to go and do basic plays at the beginning of every training session. Then um, uh, Lombardi uh, used to go, uh, his first session in a training practice was, gentlemen, this is a pigskin, this is a football. Um, coming back to the basics, um, focusing on the humble craft is, I think, the first building block in creating that sustainable success. Oh, great stuff. We're talking with James Kerr, the author of the Crush Must Read favorite book, Legacy, What the All Blacks Can Teach Us About the Business of Life. Um, James, John Wooden said, and you have this in the book, um, winning takes talent to repeat takes character. And character is one of those yep. fundamental things we see in your time with the All Blacks. Simple, powerful sayings like leave the jersey in a better place gives me goosebumps. And Brian Locker's uh, six words, better people make better All Blacks. Just powerful, powerful words. Yeah. Um, the better people make better All Blacks was really the... In 2004, the team faced um, a turning point. Uh, I, I think the culture wasn't in a healthy place. It was sort of dominated by a, a, a few strong characters. Uh, and worst of all, losing. And they were losing on the field, largely, I think, because they were losing it off the field. And the new management group, coaching group... Um, decided they need to, you know, how I describe it, kind of reboot the All Blacks culture. And they did it around this uh, great phrase, better people make better All Blacks. And, you know, better All Blacks, that's the day job. That's, that, you know, catch pass, that's that power pace and position. It's, it's all of that rugby stuff. But the, the real focus became about the better people. It's about how do you create character? How do you, how do you create leadership at every level? Um, what, what, what's called technically, I guess, a distributed leadership model, a CEO in every position. And I think, you know, that was the, the real shift uh, for, for, for that particular team at that particular time was, was that empowerment uh, of everybody and that focus on the leadership potential about uh, a, a leadership potential of everyone because you get ownership and contribution and discretionary effort and, um, and responsibility. And really that comes down to the development of character. And, you know, one of the interesting things I found out is that, you know, you can't, ethos, uh, which we talk about as sort of culture, it really is the ancient Greek word for character. Mm -hmm. The characteristic, the characteristic spirit of a team, the character of a human being, and our, our ethos is incredibly important. The ancient Greeks defined ethos in a really interesting way. Um, it was, you know, now we, we define character as kind of our attributes, um, our, our, our values expressed and so on. But, but the Greeks saw that as just one side of a two-sided coin. On one side of the coin, there's character, our, our attributes, who we are, what we stand for, and so on. But the other side of the coin was character like a, like a typewriter character. It kind of makes an impact. It leaves a mark. And that relationship between you know, the story we tell ourselves, who we are, and the story that we, the impact that we make out on the world is, is, is correlated, is, is related. And so by working on our own ethos, our own character, we're able to help define our success in the world. And I, I think that was something the All Blacks did brilliantly, um, uh, and, and, it, and, it, and it has made an extraordinary difference within that environment. But it, it's not just the All Blacks that look at that. You know, the, the, the U.S. Navy SEALs, for instance, talk, talk about a whole man policy, you know, rather than just be good at, at you know, kicking down doors, um, it's incredibly important for, for, for those, um, you know, elite actors, if you like, um, those, those tactical athletes, to, me, to be able to make 
great decisions in every part of their life because, you know, we spend most of our time not doing the thing that we do. And so our behavior, the decisions that we make, all of, all of those um, small decisions lead to, uh, to the kind of decisions that we make under pressure and, and when things are difficult. So that character in all, and, you know, in business, you know, we're in a, we're in a time of great change, of great flux. There's plenty of corruption. There's plenty of things that, you know, you only need to look at, at, at some of the scandals around Facebook or around taxation or the Enrons of this world, uh, to realize that, uh, to really create sustainable success and to remove reputation risk and to create cohesion and coherence within any organization. Um, focusing on the individual character and the collective character is incredibly important, incredibly powerful to sustain success. All right, we got to cut out for a quick break here, everybody. When we return, we will continue our look back on this great conversation with James Kerr, author of the Crush Favorite and Must Read book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. And there's plenty more to learn right after this on Crush Performance. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Jeff Kershell here, the con man behind the glass, keeping us on track. Reach out to us. Questions, comments, smart remarks, we love them all. Or if you have a topic you'd like us to investigate, please let us know. We've got a couple really great emails here in the last week. And two of those emails, I can tell you right now, we are going to dedicate entire episodes to. One of them has to do with the growing financial strain in developmental sports. And the other one is about the mental game, which is a, an, always an important conversation. Uh, but those great ideas coming from our listeners, reach out to us, crushperformance.com. Info at crushperformance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on social media. Instagram, Facebook, and also our cool new YouTube channel. Search out Crush Performance. Well, today, listen, because of Typhoon Hagibis, the strongest typhoon of the 2019 season that's bearing down on Japan right now, Japan's had to cancel their F1 qualifiers. Also, the World Cup of Rugby has saw fit to, in advance of the typhoon hitting the main island of Japan, cancel two major matches, the All Blacks versus Italy, New Zealand versus Italy, and England versus France. And seeing as we can't watch the All Blacks play, something I was really looking forward to, I thought we'd go back to our discussion with author James Kerr and his great book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. And I wanted to continue that conversation here. Uh, there's plenty, plenty to learn from one of the best sporting organizations in the history of sport. And that's what the book's all about. So here we are back with James Kerr and his book, Legacy. James, in the book, you talk about the incredible leadership inside of the All Blacks organization. And at one point, you talk about how aware they are of where they're at and what they're doing and the fact that they like to make adjustments while they're at the top of the game. They've gone through the cycle of trying to make adjustments when things are down, but they've found, and I think there's a lot to learn here as well, that they make adjustments at the top. A pretty cool concept, I think, for everybody to learn from. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a phrase I use, you know, when you're on top of your game, change your game. You know, a lot of us, we look for a winning formula, I think. We look for the thing that works. And, of course, that only works at that time, and, and everyone else catches up pretty quickly. Um, I think, the, you know, the case study All Blacks is great because you go, you know, they're constantly pushing the curve, if you like. And just to explain that sigmoid curve, you know, the alpha curve is one season you're hot and the next season you're not. You know, we do well for a little bit and then we don't. There's a period of rebuilding. But the, the All Blacks' commitment is to be the best team in the world and to win every game. Um, 
So to do that, you don't get to surf the off the curve. You don't get to have an off season or an off game. You need to keep on improving. And so there's a there's a there's a curve called the sigmoid curve, which is sort of a series of scalloped upward curves. And once you start getting to the top of that bell curve, you change your game to to go to the to take it to the next level. And that's really innovation as everyday practice. It's it's don't be afraid of changing. It's it's as the military say, it's run towards the sound of the guns. It's it's take it on, embrace expectations, move towards the next level all the time. Um, you know, one of one of the, the the best things I think about the All Blacks culture, in, in in many ways, is their openness to discuss what they do at the end of the season. Um, there are there are uh, meetings of international coaches and so on and so forth. And the All Blacks, um, you know, reputation is for being very very open about how they improve things. And part of that is is what the military would say. You know, burn your boats, burn your bridges, pull up there and and make sure you can't go back and you can't revert. And so that breaking of ha- or, or, or not allowing kind of formulas to take place and, and a constant uh, searching for reinvention and, and for better, um, how do I get better today, um, is, is at the heart of all great teams because otherwise, you know, you fall back on patterns, you get predictable, it gets boring, and you lose. Um, so, so I think they're very, very good at that. And of all the other teams that are really exceptional that I've worked with have that similar philosophy, always expressed in different words. You know, the language is, is the same, but the, uh, the language is, the same, is, uh, is different, but the principles remain the same. Right, James. And one thing that I really, really appreciated about your storytelling and uh, getting just through you being able to get inside that culture is how they protect that culture. And one of the things that really stuck out for me was no dickheads. That is a powerful, powerful uh, thing. Well, it is. You know, anyone who's ever been in any team knows that. I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a phrase again, a military phrase. They say that the, the battle isn't won on the back, it's won or lost inside the platoon, it's won or lost inside the the morale and the cohesion of a group. And, and you know, the numbers sort of stack up when you look at the, the sustainably successful teams, that the core kind of metric is around cohesion. Right. It's, it's about time spent playing together. It's about the connection uh, within that team. And, of course, um, you know, one bad apple spoils the barrel. You know, one of the oldest cliches in the book, um, that... that that somebody being difficult, somebody um, being lacking self-awareness, let's say, in inverted commas, um, somebody who's pulling against uh, the team is the thing that's going to destroy that team most quickly. Uh, Steve Hansen, the All Blacks coach, uh, gave me a great quote, uh, current All Blacks coach, gave me a quote, he said, take a bucket of water, put you in it, now take it out. That's how long it takes to replace you. No one is replaceable. Nothing is bigger than the jersey. Nothing is more important than the team. There's another lovely uh, kind of series of, of stories uh, looking at, at a vector formation. You know how geese fly in a V, a flying V. And and um, the a flying V is the shape of a spearhead. Um, has three tips. And that actually coincidentally happens to be the, the metaphor for family or whanau or team in, in Maori culture, the the New Zealand, the original New Zealander, um, and and because everyone has autonomy with the team, they're very welcome to follow whichever tip of that spearhead they want to. One of the three tips, but they must understand that unless all the force moves in the same direction, the weapon will be useless. So, you know, follow follow the spearhead. Everybody must move in the right direction. No one is bigger than that jersey, and that 
Uh, and that fundamental idea is, and, you know, no dickheads, in fact, was, was borrowed from an Australian sports team, but it doesn't really matter. It, it's, 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 it's core to any, any great team that, that not allowing people to pull against it, not allowing those internecine, uh, tribal conflicts or inter-tribal conflicts to take place because, you know, the battle isn't won or lost on a battlefield. It's won or lost within, within the platoon becomes fundamentally important. We're talking with James Kerr, founding partner at Fable and the author of the great book, Legacy. Um, James, I could talk to you all day here. I know we have to let you go, but I have to get a couple more things in before we part ways. Um, uh, just such a sure, great, it's a pleasure. such a great conversation today. Um, one of the things uh, that I'd like to sort of wrap up with here is uh, getting towards the, the end of the book. Um, you become an all black and you go through this great ritual and you receive this beautiful uh, small black book. Uh, I really like this ritual, James, uh, and the whole story just gives me chills. Yeah. So, so as you, you know, you become an all black, you get a number of things. Um, you get, you get the Jersey. Most of them won't, give away that first jersey forever. You know, they'd like to be buried in it if, if middle-aged Fred didn't set in and it didn't fit anymore, I guess. Um, you, you get a tie and a cap and some bruises and hopefully to win. But, but they also get a book, and it's beautifully pr- produced. It's, it's bound in black leather. It has a silver uh, silver fern, the symbol, the, the logo, if you like, on the cover. And you turn the open the first page, and there's the original All Blacks jersey, the first All Blacks jersey, photograph black against white. You turn the page, there's the next of the All Blacks jersey, and then the next on the next page, and the next on the next page. And and, and jersey by jersey, page by page, decade by decade, the history of the team is told, the, the story of the team is told, up to the most modern, you know, AIG-sponsored, Adidas-engineered, GPS-enabled, gladiatorial armor they wear today, the blacker-than-black All Black jersey. And then you turn the next page, and there's a there's a graphic, and and some words, uh, humility, excellence, and respect, some of the core words uh, around the All Blacks ethos. And then they, then you turn the next page, and the page is blank, and the next page is blank, and the next page is blank after that, and all the pages are blank to the end of the book. And the, the blank pages are telling these, these new players is, is now it's your turn. You know, now it's your team. Because a legacy isn't created in the past for us to benefit for today. It's something that we get to create today for others to benefit tomorrow. And, and this is your time and this is your team and, and this is your moment to do the business. And it's a tremendously powerful way of, again, telling that story, that folklore and creating that folklore uh, around the team. But really saying that, you know, we're, we're, we're just a link in the chain. We're all just a link in the chain, whether we're in an all team or in life. And, and we have a fleeting moment in the sun to, 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 to make our fulfill our purpose and to and to, to to add to the legacy or as the All Blacks say to leave the jersey in a better place. And this book really reflects that core ethos uh and, and that sense of privilege I guess that it comes uh that, that comes from the idea of, of of being able to play in that black jersey. But if you apply it to life to, to really being alive and, and I think any team benefits uh from that kind of legacy mindset, the realization that we're part of a continuum. And this is an opportunity and a privilege to, to make our mark, to make our difference, and to leave that jersey, whatever that jersey is, in a better place. Oh, so great, James. The book is 15 Powerful Lessons from James's Time with the All Blacks. Lesson 15 is Legacy. Uh, lesson 14, James, the Greek proverb, A society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they will never see. Uh, chapter 14, Plant Trees yep. You'll Never See. 
add to the legacy, James. Powerful stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's very, very powerful, I think, in, in you know, whatever. You know, I think one thing the All Blacks have mind brilliantly is the that these are almost anthropological ideas. These go back before the dawn of time. You know, these are they apply to parenthood, they apply to stewardship, they apply to sustainability, they they apply to representing the legends of the past, uh, and they're incredibly powerful for becoming a legacy uh, and a legend of the of, of the future. So they're, uh, they're 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 very powerful lessons, and I, I, I think that certainly helped change my life. And my commitment in writing the book was to kind of be useful and to hope that they have an impact on the lives of others. So I, I genuinely hope that's been the case. Well, I certainly think so. One part in the book says to inspire New Zealand. And I think you and the All Blacks have uh, done much, much more than that beyond the borders of New Zealand. James Kerr, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I've really, really been looking forward to this conversation. And um, uh, I, I can't tell you how much it means to us and my, my listeners. Thank you so much. Jeff, Jeff, it's been a real privilege and a, and a pleasure. Thank you very much and, and, and to your listeners for listening. Thank you. All right, and there you go, everybody. Such a fantastic conversation with Crush favorite James Kerr and the Crush must-read book, Legacy, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life. Uh, just so much to learn here. I'm so glad we were able to get James on, and seeing as we cannot watch the All Blacks play, uh, we'll be praying for everybody over in Japan and everybody's safety there as Typhoon Hagibis bears down on the main island. But um, seeing as we can't watch the All Blacks play, I thought we would talk this week about the All Blacks. And boy, oh boy, was this a conversation worthy of listening to once again. So uh, thanks for tuning into that. Hey, coming up in the next few weeks, we've got a great lineup. We'll be talking nutrition, sport nutrition, with some of the sharpest minds in the business coming out of the sporting world. We'll also be talking talent. And I wanted to dive into the music world. You know, a lot of the research out of talent development and skill acquisition comes from the study of musicians. And there's uh, a lot to be said there. We're going to get to a top musician and an influencer inside the music world to talk about her path towards the music world and some of the things that she did to be exceptional at her craft. So much to learn there. We're also going to be talking about the NBA season that's kicked off, our top teams, stories, and players to watch. I think there's a lot of cool storylines going there. And of course, the baseball offseason. We will wrap that up. We're going to look at the numbers from the season and we're going to talk about what you need to do to get prepared for next spring because you should be thinking about it already as baseball players. If you're serious about the game and depending on what level you're at, there are things you need to be thinking about. We'll be talking about developing hockey players and much, much more in the next few weeks in Crush Performance. And again, if you have questions, comments, or an idea you'd like us to investigate, reach out to us, crushperformance.com. All right, that'll do it for this week, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Crush Performance. Remember, we're here to help you think like an athlete. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We got a lot of big games this weekend in college. You got Oklahoma, Texas, the Red River Shootout. They call it PC now, Red River Rivalry. They make it difficult, make it a tongue twister, but it also is something that you know is a a different view. Almost like I'm trying to figure out the way to describe it. I, I think it's like a bowl game during the season, much like Georgia, Florida. It's a unique feeling. Not many of those. I mean, it's. Think about it. You know, it's kind of fun to think about OU Texas and Austin, OU Texas and Norman, be kind of sweet. But there's something unique about it. It's 
deeped in tradition. It is there at the state fair. You drive the buses right there. It's just got a unique feel to it. It's always played, you know, kind of that 11 a.m. Central time slot. And it is kind of unique. Half orange, half crimson. It's just it's just a neat little thing. So it has a, we talked about big games and whether it's Florida LSU, USC Notre Dame, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, and any other big game. There are a lot of big games. There are big rivalry games that sometimes may not shape up to be as good as we had thought on the field, but it still has a lot of magnitude in terms of a rivalry. It is also some games that are really good. It may not be great rivalries. They may not be traditionally good games between this team and that team, but it is two teams that are playing really well and two teams that may determine a little bit of the flow of the conference and then nationally. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.